1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 500th episode of Bronx Pinstripe Show. Today, we're brought to you by Indeed.com and BetOnline.ag. Happy 500, Scott. How you doing? Happy 500, man. Even though we've probably recorded well over 500, this is the 500th episode. I don't know. You, you've said that before. And so a little teaser for what we have in store for our 500th celebration. We, we tracked down the first ever episode of, of from, this podcast. From the archives, baby. From the, we, we from the SoundCloud it, archives. I, I can't believe I found the password. It, it's probably the same password used for everything yeah, don't, else. But. Don't say that on here. But um, yeah, you're right. And thank you, Chrome. Even though Chrome tells me I have like 400. Oh, you've been getting that. passwords that, like, that oh, are you, no good. Your life might be in breach. Yeah. Like I get that I like, notification. Be, like, ignore sleep. <laughs> I'll deal with this later. Yeah. Oh, my bank account information's I, out there. That's who cares. way too much work. Yeah. Snooze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we um because it, for whatever reason, we've we've gone from SoundCloud to uh, what was the second Libsyn. platform called? Libsyn. And then we were over uh at Audio Boom mm. and then and then Bluewire. So it's been like a four stage. And two two transition. places of Blue Wire actually, because the first one was I forget the name of it. Uh there was a different there was one before um Simplecast. So yeah, there's there's been five. So, people who listen to this like that don't know what any of those words mean. The point of this is when we took the podcast from those different places, for whatever reason, like the first two and a half months of the show just disappeared into the ether, right because if you go back on iTunes now or you go back on any platform, whenever you're listening on Stitcher, Spotify, it only goes back to an episode in May of two thousand and fifteen. It was the episode after Michael Pineda struck out like seventeen Baltimore on Royals. fleek, and we're the on fleek episode. We're, yeah, we were all excited. It was it was a Mother's Day episode, and we were like, "Oh my God, the Yankees have a new ace! This is he great!" He finally realized he was, his talent and used it. Little did we know that was that was the pinnacle of Michael Pineda's Yankees career was that Sunday afternoon. I mean, it was a great day. It was a good day. He he was he was on <laughs> on fleek, as Michael K said. We said there was one shirt made and uh, sent it to him, to to Kay, uh, and he opened it on air like the the week after that. But that was, um, yeah, that was that was a shining moment for Michael Pineda. That was see those those were the problem moments that I had with him because he would flash in the pan. He would flash and be like, "Of course, I am dominant. I am a I'm six foot seven. I throw a billion miles per hour. I've got good life on my fastball. I've got good change up. I've got good off speed. I don't remember what pitches he had." And, but I suck 85% of the time, but the one, but the one 15% time I'm good, I'm nasty. That was tantalizing. That was tantalizing 15%. But the, but what I'm saying is those previous episodes just are not available to, to people. And we've been asked like, Hey, where are your first, uh, whatever it is, 15 episodes. I don't know where they are. Well, they're on we SoundCloud. Found we found them. <laughs> we found them. They're on SoundCloud. <laughs> they actually I might be, didn't know where they I don't were think before they're public, this. Because SoundCloud started they're not. making you pay for them. So. Right. They're not public on SoundCloud. Can we Cloud, backdate? So, but we, Can we put them up on we the ended movie up, and backdate it? Well, I don't know if we want to because, little spoiler for the 18-minute the first episode, it's not very good. It's, it's bad, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we want to put out those first 15 episodes, <laughs> uh, but I'm glad we found it because it was a nice trip down memory lane. I immediately got flashbacks of recording it. We're going to talk about all that towards the end, uh, but there's certainly some... A lot of news that happened. Yeah, over and last so we're gonna days. we're gonna tack on the first episode, number one, at the end of this episode as well. So, as we as we leave the show, um, you know, after the after the the song, our uh, our post post roll song, I can't talk right now. Uh, Five hundred episodes. You would think I would learn how to talk? Uh, we're gonna play that first episode. So if you uh, if you care and you want to laugh a little bit, go ahead, skip through it. It's it's kind of funny. It's amusing. Andrew Andrew's really bad in it. <laughs> Well, it was the first podcast I ever recorded. Right. You had a, you had already recorded podcasts. so you I had, had like you 50 had under my on belt me. with a different show, yeah. It's true. Yeah, so that's not fair. It's not fair, but it's true. Life isn't fair. Lance Lynn, that was big news. Well, that came out of nowhere. Not that he was traded because we knew he was going to get traded or the, we knew the, the Rangers were looking to trade him, but him going to the White Sox came out of nowhere. And uh, for a price that I, I don't think is that crazy. I know some Yankee fans... Balk at trading Debbie Garcia or Clark Schmidt, saying, "How? He, no way! Not for Lance Lynn because they remember Meat Sweat Lance Lynn from from the Yankees, who, who was, was actually pretty good, but he wasn't. He wasn't top five pitcher in baseball, which no. is what he's been for the the Rangers. No, and he wasn't even. I mean, he was barely a starter. He was a guy that was. He, right, he, he would he, he would come in. I remember he came in. Yeah, he did. A, he had a bunch of different roles. He was a he was a a guy that was flexible, <laughs> even though." Hot dog breath probably isn't very flexible in real life. It, look, it was a good oh, the, uh, so the breath. deal, Ugh. the deal, the deal was for uh, Dane Dunning and then another what mid level prospect. Dunning was the number five prospect yeah. in the White Sox organization, ninety nine overall. If you're looking at pipeline, so if you're comparing the prospect rankings, you're looking at Clark Schmidt um, at 83, three and uh Debbie at 87 and pipeline respectively. So they're close, right? There's not that much of a yeah. difference as far as like top hundred prospects. Here's the difference in perspective though, or just perception. Number five prospect with the white Sox. There's a couple of pictures ahead of him. He's gotten some time. Um, he's a guy that they, they thought was going to be good. Another guy that came over in the trade to uh, the nationals for Adam Eaton. Oh, by the way, who they just signed as well. So that the band is back together over there, but Dunning, um, so Dunning had some major league experience, but it's not like he he wasn't the number one prospect in the system. And I think that when Yankee fans are looking at Clark Schmidt, David Garcia, obviously David Garcia won over some hearts and minds right at the end of the season, and and Fair. we've been hearing about him, you've been hearing about him for a while. Clark Schmidt, not so much, but he's our number one pitching prospect, number one prospect if you don't include Dominguez, who's you know 15 years old with the with the body of a 28 year old. I get what you're saying. So, so, but what you're saying is Clark Schmidt or Debbie Garcia is more important to the Yankees than Dunning is to the White Sox. And that might be true. But as far as quality of prospect goes, they're basically the same. Essentially the same. Yes. As far as the rankings. Yes. So from a, a league wide perspective, from an outsider looking in, if it was Clark Schmidt or Debbie Garcia, not both or for Lance Lynn, that would be exactly comparable trade. And I think a what I thought in my GM plans was was what was going to happen. I had Clark Schmidt and a mid-level prospect for for Lance Lynn. You had um, Miguel and Duhar and Domingo Herman yeah, for Lance Lynn. A little bit different, if, actually. Probably depending on the, what you look at. If if you're looking at major league ready talent, you gave up way way too much in that trade. But if you're looking at prospect talent, then then I gave up more in the trade. Yeah, I mean. Kinda, of, but not really. Again, if you're looking at the the total pipeline um, numbers, then then not really that much, to be honest. They're 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 again very very close. You know, I, I, that doesn't really also weigh what's happened in the major league. So there's a there's a, a world where I think some GMs will um, rank David uh, Garcia higher than what what you see in the pipeline rankings. Those are not refreshed rankings. Um, so you know they usually do them mid season. But I'm saying like so now, David Garcia has. Some experience under his belt, he's shown mm-hmm. that he can handle the the. He big has out. a he has a postseason start uh, yeah, kind ish. Of. Does, does it? Yeah, I don't even know if it qualifies as anything. Oh, it does. It's a start. Yeah. It's a start under his belt. So he, um, so I I think that uh, you know puts him a little higher. Clark Schmidt, we saw struggle at the end of the year as well. So, you know, that's fresh in people's minds. Um, at the same time, but yeah, it, look, the the Rangers, I I think we're we're looking for. Um, the best opportunity to to give rid of they should have traded him last year and they would have gotten much better. They screwed that's up again. That's Rangers, two so. years two years in a row where they've screwed up trading their pitching prospects and have gotten little to. You know, I, I'm not saying Dane Dunley is not not much. That's that's something. It's a major league ready arm, but that's really all they got for, you know, him and Mike Miner, two guys that they could have traded for much higher stakes. They got one pitcher who's probably a, you know, a ceiling at a number four three, three to four max. So, it, it, overwhelmingly, Yankees fans did not want to make this trade because I put out a poll: Should the Yankees have traded Clark? Yankees Schmitt fans or on Garcia? Twitter. Let's just make sure we're talking about that. Yeah, correctly. and they represent the worst of the worst. But I put out the poll: Should they have traded Schmidt or Garcia in a package for Lance Lynn? And eighty-two percent said, "Hell no." Okay, <clears throat> so I don't know where you land. I would have done that trade because I had it in my GM plans. Because the way I look at it is. You're not trading both, so that's good. So you try and... If you think Clark Schmidt and Debbie Garcia are comparable in prospect um, where they're going to be in their Major League career, then then you have confidence that either could be a good Major League pitcher. You don't care who you give up. Maybe the Yankees favor one over the other and they would try and push the Rangers towards, towards one. I know a lot of people think Debbie Garcia's size will eventually... Hinder him in the major leagues, so that that could be one thing, and that that would lean the Yankees to favor Clark Schmidt. Fine. So if you would rather trade Garcia than Schmidt, I get it. But Lance Lynn can help you win a World Series in 2022. He has been 2021. Well, wow, it is 2021. I'm losing track of the years <laughs> at this point. I was like, you just, skipped, you just skipped the whole goddamn year. Where
2: in 2021,
1: because he believe it or not, has been one of the best pitchers in baseball for the last two seasons. Yes, and the top of the Yankees rotation right now is very much in flux. There's one guy who's dominant. They have an ace and four question marks. Right. So, And for anyone who thinks Luis Severino is coming back this year, he's coming back from Tommy John surgery, hopefully in June or July. Who knows what he is? You cannot count on Luis Severino being a number two pitcher. There's a lot of guys that season. don't really find themselves getting back until the second year right. after they get back. So that Montgomery, Montgomery is kind of one of that them. first, you know, that first bit when you're, when you're, when you're back on the team, um, it, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. But, but I'm not expecting, you know, vintage Severino. I don't even know what that is, but peak Severino, you know, that's 2018. Maybe 2000, we've already seen it. It's possible. We've already seen it, but 2000, it's very, I think it's more realistic to understand and, and to, to set expectations for 2022, which is actually not next year. Uh, is the year that Severino is, you know, I'm circling that year as as his, you know, we'll see what he is at that point. We'll see if he's fully back. How, if do you, uh, what do you think the Yankees' window to win a championship is, realistic window to win a championship? Well, I, I think it's look. We we talked about this in the GM plans, and I I emphasize the next two years, and the reason I emphasize the next two years is because of what's happening in arbitration. Guys are going to be signed. Guys are not going to be signed. They've they've got some decisions to be made in that time. Guys are aging. Guys are de- Aaron Judge. Are Aaron Judge is not he's not a mid twenties guy anymore. He's going to be in his thirties. That being said, if they're able to, if some of these pitching prospects, let's just say Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt, both just for conversation conversation sake, become very good major league pitchers, now you have a rotation of um, Gary Cole, Luis Severino coming back, uh, and then uh, a couple of guys, and then who knows what they do. If you have a pitching staff that's that's formidable like that and you, young pitching staff, you can build around that. So if the next two years aren't working and possibly because of injuries, you know, for whatever reason, it's not, it doesn't mean that the Yankees can't add on to what they have and, and be very, very good, but different, different guys. So like. It's take when I'm talking about the window. It's with, the, with a grain of salt for sure because the Yankees will go out and make moves and make themselves competitive and potentially, theoretically, that could be better, right? It could be for the better of the entire team. Maybe who knows? So if you're but if you're looking at the at the current roster of what we have now, to me, this current roster has a window of two years. Yeah, it, maybe it's a little longer because I kind of compare it to 2009 when the Yankees went out and signed CC Sabathia. And they got four years of peak Sabathia as their prime window. 9, 10, 11, 12. They went to the ALCS in 2012. So, of course, they were still in the championship window. But then the wheels fell off. So the Yankees signed Garrett Cole to a massive contract in 2020. So 2021 20, 22, 23, maybe 24. But it's really maybe just till 2023, so three more years. I mean, I think you I think Garrett when Cole, you have Pete Garrett Cole, I, well, okay, fine. But I think it's going to be take more than that. That's kind of my point. I, it's going to take more than just Garrett Cole. We have Pete Garrett Cole right now. Uh, unless you're adding on or you're building this team around him, it's not going to matter. Garrett Cole's not enough. He's great, but he's not no, enough. No, and and more things happen than just Sebathia not being good in 13. Mark Teshera, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, everyone hit the end of their. Everyone their hit the end of team. their rope. Yeah. This is right. different. This is a different sense it's because it's different. Payroll. It's about contracts rather than age. Right. But it, it might be also injuries. Could be injuries. So many, so many guys on this team have dealt with injuries in their 20s. Yeah. Imagine what they're going to be like in their 30s. I would No, I don't want to. I don't wanna I don't wanna go down that road. But you're right. There there can be there could be a cliff in that sense. Or it could just drag out, and like you know, they'll sprinkle in the injuries like we've had over the last two. The Yankees years. have been better than any organization at extending championship windows. I mean, they took the mid, they took the '90s dynasty all the way through 2012. Yeah. That's unheard right. of. No, I, and and the reload to Brian Cashman's credit, although many people will not give him credit for anything pitching related, but the the reload that he did in 2016 was impressive, and I thought. Gutsy because it was not a then not the Yankee thing to do, it was not something that was there was really much of a precedent for, but he did what it. did he do on the pitching front though? He only he trades he away the relievers, has, no, no, no I'm guy. saying just there's a lot of people that shit on him for pitching, which is do you think that's fair? Yeah, yes, <laughs> I think I think it's, it's very fair. fair. Here we are, here we are in 2000 in the 2020 2021 offseason, and we're talking about the Yankees having one starting pitcher, and, and, and you know it. what we're about to talk about. The fact of uh, potentially going going out and trading for Sonny freaking gray. That's what we're about to talk about. No. no, so so Lindsay Adler wrote that in The Athletic about reunions with Yankees, uh previous Yankee starters. She mentioned Jay Happ. She mentioned Lance Lynn, who now we know is with the White Sox. We uh, she mentioned Sonny Gray and I forget the other one, uh James Paxton. So what the sunny Great thing blew. Even me Tanaka's away. in the in the mix of of these conversations where where they're talking about the Yankees not even there's 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 talk that the Yankees aren't even interested in extending him. So or you know bringing yeah him that's what up. Andy Martino reported in SNY. Yeah. I, although we've seen Cashman do this before, lurk in the darkness. Yeah. Not know he's in. Yeah, on Yeah, he's things, a ninja. And, and then the offseason, Cashman's a ninja. You like to hear honesty from him. I like to hear nothing or. Or I, I like the mystery because he's playing a game. It's he—he's strategic when he's honest because he last off season was very honest. They were in on Garrett Cole, right? You almost can't be honest. You can't—you can't lie about that. No, I know. But when it's when it's when, when it's blatantly obvious one guy, and it's in your face, yeah, he's gonna be like, okay, fine. Yes. No, but when but he. What what Brian Cashman has behind him is the Yankees engine, which which can spend more money than anyone, even more money than the Dodgers, even though the Dodgers have outspent them in recent years. So what he can do when he's in on Garrett Cole, he can scare off some 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 teams. Yeah. So he can tactically he, say, Yeah, we're going in, we're going in big. Don't even right, try. When he But on other guys, Tanaka or James Paxton, or maybe a trade for Lance Lynn, or all these other guys, when he knows he's gonna have tons of competition and he knows that he doesn't want to drive the price up because he's not willing to go over the top for these guys he lurks in the darkness he's like Bane he lives it. he was born in dark. there's there's a bunch of uh there's a bunch of scenarios where you could look at the other side of that too and GMs are you know he's, he's playing chess and I like it so it's it's good I think these are good things I don't want my GM to be completely honest with me to be to be to be honest. But if 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 these this reporting is right and the Yankees are not looking to add to their starting rotation, they're in deep doo doo for 2021. Yeah, we're going to be doing the same thing we did unless unless the kids come up and and uh, and completely shine and Jordan Montgomery returns to form, which I do believe that he he can. I think he's going to be. I think next year is the year that uh, we're we're looking at Jordan Montgomery as 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 you know being a solid. Th- number three, number four pitcher. I, I, that's, that's where I think his ceiling is. And I think that that's, and that, and that's great, but that's not gonna, that's not gonna win you a championship. It's certainly gonna help. You need that. You absolutely need that. You need a guy like that. Jordan Montgomery's got the ability to go deeper in games. Like I think he's, he's a, he's a very good fit for the rotation. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that they believe that he will be, mm. you know, fully healthy and back at that point. Here's, Here's what Lindsay wrote in The Athletic in her article about should the Yankees bring back Sonny Gray or James Paxton. The Reds appear to be salary dumping this offseason, particularly evidenced by the trade they made on Monday to send closer Rasiel Iglesias to, the, to Anaheim for a light return. Would Gray be available on the trade market? Seems likely. No. Would he even remotely be a candidate for a return to New York? Conventional wisdom says no, but a lot can change in a few years. And I just have two words for you, Javier Vasquez. Yeah, they're different though because Sonny Gray's a bitch, and <laughs> Javier Vasquez didn't smile at all of us, and didn't didn't do the off off the field. I don't even remember what he did off the field, but. No, he didn't do anything, but the point is that he did not perform in New York, and then he he performed before New York, then he didn't perform in New York, and then he performed after New York, and then he didn't perform in New York, and then he performed after New York. Some guys, JJ has said this before, they have doo-doo down their pants immediately when they see the Empire State Building. Yeah, I, I believe that as well. I believe that there is a lot of things that go beyond the the actual pitching in the mound. Everybody is blaming Larry Rothschild at this point because now that we've seen what Sonny Gray has done in Cincinnati, oh by the way, with his pitching coach from college, the guy that has to be with him for him to have any success. But they see that and now we're like, okay, this guy is would be an addition that would be positive for this team. We want him back. so there's there's a lot of you know, blind faith that those skills, those numbers are gonna now, translate when he's in the Bronx in the pin, in the in the pinstripes and I just maybe it's maybe no fans in the stands will help him so maybe that maybe <laughs> this is uh, an opportunity for him well, to, okay to, so know, then what happens what happens he doesn't have to the duck the reporters he just gets on the zoom calls and it's like so this is actually Sonny, Sonny Gray probably loves this whole scenario no touching like he doesn't have to get near anybody doesn't have to talk to anybody no in the front like it's you know it's very relaxed for him He's he's able to be you know at a distance and just do what he needs to do so Probably a great It'd scenario. be a no wins be a no-win situation for him though, because unless he duplicates his numbers in Cincinnati, it's a failure. Even though technically it wouldn't be, but fans would treat it like a failure. The media would treat it like a failure, unless he absolutely puts up numbers like he did in Cincinnati, which are very good numbers. I don't want to go back down this down this rabbit hole because he's certainly capable of putting up those numbers. He's a good pitcher when when he's not shitting himself. He's a good pitcher when his mind doesn't get in front of him and you know block everything that has to do with mechanics and and uh, mental capacity during a game and competition and all of those things that he just you know wet himself he's a good pitcher in theory I don't think Brian Cashman would do this because on uh, Brian Cashman there were things said the there were things said as well between Cashman right. and uh and so he Gray. said them publicly he said them rightly basically, you can't, he can't handle New York. A change of scenery is what this guy needs. I don't think he's going to bring it. It doesn't feel don't like a like reunion on the table mistake. here. And that, no. and honestly, it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't even have really much to do with what's on the field. Cause Sonny Gray did have sure. some success in the, in, you know, that first, when he got traded over, he had some success. We were, we were excited for Sonny Gray. We were still excited going yeah. into this first full year. We were excited because we were adding what was potentially a one a that was, yep. that was what we were excited about. And it just didn't work. Yeah. So I want no part of bringing him back. I'm fine if they're in on Tanaka. And I think the market is dictating that it's going to be a short-term deal, which is great if you're bringing back Tanaka. And maybe it's changing my opinion on James Paxton Because look at all these guys signing one-year deals. Would you sign James Paxton for a one-year deal? I think at this point, with the, with the way that it's trending and the minor leaguers that are still here, yeah, probably it doesn't. I, I think that's a, a flyer that really doesn't hurt much. To be honest, at this point, I agree. That's not to say that if they just signed Tanaka and Paxton back, that's all they need to do in the rotation because they need to do more. But I think because. You can get them for less than maybe you would have in a normal offseason, non-COVID, non-CBA, all that kind of stuff. You kind of take advantage of the one-year deals on those guys. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You just move on. But it's it's insurance depth, basically. You want to hear something completely sick? It's just... Always. it's It's bad. I wouldn't hate if Sonny Gray came back. Oh, what? I'm like a masochist. Because I, Hold on. because I still because well, well, i still because i still see the you... because i still see the potential i st- i can't oh. unsee it i can't unsee the potential and part of me part of me wants redemption for for predictions for for him a little bit i know what this it's is it's sick it's it's this sick it makes that. me i no, i don't no. even like saying it out loud but part of me part of me would be like okay i w- i maybe wouldn't say that out loud if it happened although i just blew, blew that right here but yeah, part of me would be part of me would be like, "Okay, this is something. Let's see what let's see what happens here. Maybe it's a train wreck. I just I like watching train wrecks. Maybe that's it. It's like looking that's at it. you know, that's the freak it. show." You just nailed Can't, it. You you want to see the train wreck again because you know the podcast con- uh, content that would come out of that. No, Endless I don't I don't content. know why I would podcast like that because content. it it drove me insane. It really it would drive me crazy. it would drive but me. But you crazy. enjoy it this time because you know it's gonna happen this time. No, but th- that's my point. Is that I I will part of me will believe that it, it won't happen, that actual talent will overcome, and that he's a professional athlete and that he would, you know, do the things professional athletes do and not shit themselves. He's he's great. Look, he has proved also there's there's a there's a connection here with um Cece and Ruco, like through the podcast, I think. And it feels like there's that CC. I feel like CC could talk him back if there was any hesitation. I feel like CC could be like the, um, you know, the olive branch almost. He could he could repeating make it the same mistake over it's and insanity. over again is the definition of insanity. Yes. And bringing back Sunny Gray would be the definition of insanity. But you may have just talked me into being insane <laughs> because it's really a win-win situation. You just said the, it was lose-lose. You just said it was a lose-lose situation. And now but I've literally changed a minute a ago. Lose, no, no. You said it was lose-lose. It's lose. a lose-lose situation lose-lose situation for Sonny Gray. Or I said no-win situation. How does for something Sonny go from gray? a lose-lose to a win-win like like that? No, 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 listen. No, no, it's different. For Sonny Gray, it's a no-win situation. For us, it's a no-lose situation because either he shits his pants and we get to crap all over him again or he's good and it helps the Yankees win a championship. I, I win win. So I think it's it Sunny Gray definitely has some uh opportunities to win here. Don't, I don't even think he needs to be as good as he was in Cincinnati. He needs, he needs to be not as bad as he was here. And also it, it No, he needs to be very close to what he's been in Cincinnati or else people that's are fine. Be like, see he can't it. But listen it. to this. I think the value is gonna be there. And again, you know I'm a big value guy. I'm a toolsy guy and I'm a value guy. And yeah, what's his contract This is an, actually I'm gonna this is an opportunity right to go in and I think probably get some value. Maybe we make a trade for the pitching coach, too. Like, I don't need... <laughs> what happens to Blake? Mike, Mike Blake can go back to, you know, coaching high school ball up in outside Boston somewhere. I, I don't really give a shit what he does. So he can grab Gray a chair a with three, the nerds. He signed a three-year 30... Hold on, I yeah, just Yeah, it's 10-plus three million. Three-year 30.5 million. $10 million. $10 10000000 a year. God, that's it takes It takes him through 2022... And then there's a twelve million option on twenty twenty three. So in fact, it's actually a pretty good deal. There's value there in the contract as well. So if you can capture some of that, you're going to have to give up prospects for him because it's a valuable contract for what he is. And there's no way the Reds are if they're going to trade Sonny Gray. There's no way they're going to trade him now to the Yankees. let me let me rephrase this. There's no way they're not going to trade him for prospects as well. It's not just a salary. Oh no, deck, no, no, for because sure. It's not that much salary. Absolutely, this is going to be a prospect deal. My my thing is is that now knowing what that contract is, you're looking at ten million dollars ish, uh, controlled for two years, right? So you said 21 and 22, and then an option, a club, no. is it a club option for 23? Either way, <laughs> of course, even, even if it's two page. years. That's that's some control right there. It's two more, it's two more years at ten million, and Lance Lynn had one more year at ten Correct. million. Would you rather have traded say, I mean, Clark Schmidt? Okay, if, if you're going if you're about to put these, okay, keep going. Go ahead, go. Give me your scenario. Would you have rather traded? Because it might take Clark Schmidt to get Sonny Gray. I don't think so, so would you rather trade? No, no, I don't think so. Why not? Because he's he's laid the tape of, of that he's unstable and shitty everywhere uh, in other places. He's also in New York. He's been good in Oakland. He's been good in Cincinnati. So if Cincinnati wants to trade him to the Cleveland Indians or to the the uh, Houston Astros or to the Seattle Mariners or to the San Diego Padres, they're going to get top level prospects for him. So why would they just trade him to the Yankees for not top level prospects? That that wouldn't happen. It's going to take top level prospects. The Yankees will not give up top level, top level prospects for him. Is more I, is more. Okay, my point. so then it's not so then it's not going to happen. But. In this fictitious scenario, mm-hmm. if you're Brian Cashman and you have to give up Clark Schmidt or Debbie Garcia, would you do it for Sonny Gray? No. Would you have done it one or the other for Lance Lynn one year instead of two years of Sonny Gray? It would have been a tougher sell for me. Um so you're no on both guys. Yeah, I so that's I was trying uh when I when I made that deal, I was certainly trying to avoid these top prospects. So if it was if it was and I, I thought the value like was. That's there. the goal always. Well, yeah, of course. But, but there's still value there. I think uh, in in the guys that I was giving up a lot of value. Actually, I'd say better major league value to be honest for two years, it, easily. That being so said, do you think it could be realistic for Miguel Andujar and Domingo Herman for Sonny Gray? Do you think the Reds would do that. That would mean that they're trying to win right now, or they're just trying to stay mediocre, which is what the Reds have done for a long no, time. Yeah, that's exactly. They're not trying to win with those pieces. They're trying to get cheap, again. I, I yeah. So talent. I think that that's possible right there. Like, I don't even know if uh, if a uh, uh, Davy Garcia or Clark Schmidt. Like, w- what are the Reds' plans? Are they ever going to spend money? So does it really matter, or are they just trying to stay mediocre in that in that area to get some fans, keep a little bit of hope, and just string them along? Yes. So then, so that then the, money. Then yeah. Then the deal of Andujar. And Herman um, would be, I think, uh, an appropriate deal for there. But now you're looking at Domingo Herman, major league ready talent. Mm. I, I, nobody likes him. I get that bad guy. Just talking about baseball here. Could Domingo Herman mirror a season of what Sonny Gray could do in the Bronx? Very possibly. When I was when I did the recent episode with Andy Martino, we talked about um, teams that we, we kind of talked about that mailbag question that we did about uh, which teams get the most bang for their buck on spending. Yes. ROI. Yes. And and he even said the teams that win the World Series don't get their the most return on investment. It's the teams that just make the playoffs. That gets you the most return on investment because that keeps fans engaged year after year. You get high ratings through September. You get playoff shares, you get playoff attention, you get playoff merch, all that kind of stuff. So the Reds, from an owner perspective, yeah, winning a World Series would be great and all, but they're not going to spend to do it, so I'm just going to spend enough to be competitive in September and make the playoffs every four or five years to keep fans engaged. So that's might be their goal. Yeah, they're not doing that which either. Which is why they're not going to sign, which is why they're not going to sign Trevor, but they just made the playoffs last year. I know, but it wasn't four years before that. i mean, saying the gap's been longer. So yeah, if that's the new plan, then okay, let's... Let's see what that happens. But they they added talent. They they added they added contracts, and then they dumped them. They're weird. If you look at you the, can't be in the middle. I don't know the, what they do. In the middle. the, the is way the that worst. they the way that they uh, operate their baseball operations is a uh, is is very strange for me. Um, but look at the end of the day. I don't even want to talk about this anymore. I'm sick of talking about Sunny Gray. At the no, you just at, said you want Gray at the Gray end of back. the day. I want him back, uh, and I don't want him back. I'm saying I would if he came back. I wouldn't hate you it. You wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. You sick son of a yeah. bitch. The last rumor that I've seen is Zach Wheeler. And I guess the the Phillies are potentially interested in dumping some payroll. So he signed a five-year, $118 million contract last offseason. He was pretty good in 2020. 71 innings, 2.92 ERA, 3.22 FIP. I'd say that's very good but he didn't strike out a lot of batters, 53 strikeouts in 71 innings. So less than a strikeout per inning for a starting pitcher. That's less concerning than for a reliever because you can live with ground balls and stuff like that. But others, others have said mainly the nerd community have said that that was a fluke. His 71 innings are a fluke. And if you, If he had pitched a normal season, 185 innings, his ERA and FIP were were going to start inflating because he doesn't strike out enough batters because that's all teams want now is strikeout guys. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think ground ball pitchers can certainly live in the launch, launch angle era. You keep the ball on the ground, You're going to limit damage today because no one strings together hits. anything. you're also, you're also going to get through games. You're also going to eat innings. If you get ground balls, give me a ground ball guy all day long. Now, is that worth $24 million a year? I don't know. Well, I also think he's got more, he's shown more um, strikeout ability as well. So I think he's got, I think there's some, some different things happening there. Look, first of all, I, I, I've also seen the Phillies ownership completely rebuff that and say it's, none of that is true. So, who knows what to believe on that on that front? Because they were also floating that. Oh, now we're going to trade Bryce Harper, who signed a forty-year contract. Doesn't he have a no 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 uh, no trade clause? Yeah, he that probably controls he it. wanted to do. But but yeah. he's a Yankee fan. He's a Yankee fan. So right, he would waive it for Absolutely. the Yankees. Giancarlo Carlos Stanton for hold on, yeah. is it Giancarlo Carlos Stanton for Bryce Harper? Or is that the rumor? straight up? Haven't heard that one. Though. Straight up. Uh, yeah, as if the as if. As if the Phillies are that stupid. They are. So, it's less years on the contract. They'll they'll get out from underneath it much faster. It's a better deal for them. Yeah. Less years, but you know, the guy doesn't play. So oh, don't that's don't tell them that. So the article was written by Joe uh, Joe Giglio, who was on our podcast when we previewed the Phillies. So I, I wanted to mention it, but his proposal in the article was Aaron Hicks and Michael King for Zach Wheeler. Does he know how much Brian Cashman loves Aaron Hicks? Does he know that that would not make the deal? Why would that deal happen He's, if it's a salary dump? I would do that tomorrow. I would do that well, yesterday. Of course. I would do that five times. Go. You would. Yeah. But Brian Cashman. Oh, he, Brian loves Cashman would Aaron do it too. Brian Cashman would do it in a second. Who's going to play center field? Somebody. Brett Gardner. Gardner. Brett Gardner. Let's go. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> this is just a long oh, way. No, then they go a... out and get Michael Brantley, and they shift some things around, and now we're good. This is the long way to get Brett Gardner back on this team and playing every day. That's the that's the whole goal of 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 Brian Cashman today. If that deal was offered, so help me if, if it would it would never it would be never be offered. Only if the first of all, they're not going to do it. Any GM who makes rash decisions after 2020 shortened season is an idiot. So if you're the Phillies GM. You just signed Zach Wheeler. Your goal was to have a, a great one-two punch with Wheeler and Aaron Nola. You got Bryce Harper forever. You're not gonna give up on that after 2020 COVID. Season. Look, man, cash is cash is king. And when you see cash, you know, just like a like a ho a fire hose. Brian Cashman or money money leaving, you know, at fire hose speed, just like pouring out of your building, then there's gonna be rash decisions made because people get Frightened. People understand that there's a very very, very solid possibility that twenty twenty one, as far as revenue, could be very similar. Could be very similar. And and surviving that could be a not surviving it, but being able to flourish beyond that and how long that could potentially stunt your growth as an organization is a real thing. Is a very real thing. And I think that some teams are trying to get it are gonna look to get ahead of it. I don't know if they are right now. now. Don't you think but I'm, t- I'm saying that is a very real thing. Would not surprise me because there's a lot of It'd uncertainty. Be chopping the legs out from under you just brought in Joe Girardi, a new manager for this team. You just signed all these massive contracts. Give the team a chance to to compete. You you some you can't if the if the money's it, that's the problem. It's a, the scenario has changed. It's different now. So the Yankees should be there to. Yes. Take all the, take all the, here, the come, freebies will, they can get. Uh, clothing, food, shelter. Come. Come. Come yeah. to the Bronx. I don't think it's going to happen. Brian Cashman's got sleeping bags. Let's go. Hey guys, 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient, which means every single hire is critical and indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the right person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only got to pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that you can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see and fast. Try Indeed without free $75 credit at indeed.com slash blue wire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. They have game spreads and totals, team player and coaching props. They give you more options to wager than anywhere else. Their website is clean and easy to use. There's tons of options there for you. You can bet on sports, there's live betting, casino, live casino action, race book, poker, esports, there's contest promotions. You can, you can do a number of things on the website. I really suggest you, you check it out. Bet Online's been with us pretty much this entire year. So supporting them is a way of supporting Bronx Pinstripes. Head over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Speaking of Brian Cashman and his sleeping bags, he was uh, doing his rappel of some building in, in Connecticut, and he was talking on Fox & Friends. And he had a whopper of a quote. He said, "I've had three managers: ten years with Joe Torre, ten with Joe Girardi, and hopefully ten more with Boone. That's the Yankee way. We know that. That's the, they they go ten years. That's just what they do. So, well, that would be more than ten with Boone because he's already been here three. That'd be thirteen. <clears throat> right. So three. You are l- ten plus math guy. There you go. the The minimum." They like to they like to hold on to these guys. I, the, things have changed. They like since stability. The boss, they like stability, which and was not the case. Unified front. Yeah. Well, and if Cashman has a good thing going with his manager, he wants to keep it. So if if that means if if he's there for ten more years, that means Cashman's there for ten more years, and he's happy with that. So that's a good front to put out if you're the GM that has a contract coming up in the next couple of years. Well, uh, Joe uh, uh, Aaron Boone has contract situation. Yeah, but they're tied. Those, those yeah. two are tied together Boone, for sure. If Aaron Boone does not win a championship in the next three, and years, that also goes like to the we talked about with the that window. all go, yeah, that goes back to the window. I think of for Brian Cashman as well. Do you think he makes a move then, and that would make three plus? That would make six years of Aaron Boone, but no championship. I don't see how they if you if you don't win a championship with this roster, what he was brought in to do. With with that team and, and where they were when Aaron Boone took the job. I mean, it's also a reflection on Cashman. I was gonna say so maybe, you, you you said does, does he make a move? Does who make a move? Brian Cashman? Well, so assuming that Steinbrenner does not want Cashman gone, does Cashman make a move for a new manager if Boone does not deliver a championship in the next three years? Yeah, I think he's gonna get pressure too, but I don't I I do again, I believe that Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone. They're tied. I think they're tied. I really do. I think that this this two to three year window here is important for both of them for job security. Brian Cashman has not won anything for a very long time. So in the Yankees or from the Yankees uh organization looking at that, there there's gonna be a lot more pressure when you see those contracts expiring to not bring back because guess what? The build that that has been happening at that point, if there's no World Series, it's not working. So something's got to change. And I think that that's going to be a very big, you know, uh, line drawn in the sand. Could Aaron Boone potentially be the last manager Brian Cashman ever. Yes. Hires? However it ends good or bad. This is the last, this is the last one. I think this is the, this is definitely the highest uh, probability of that happening for sure.
2: Cashman's yeah, coming to a point
1: now where it's, you know, you're looking back like, Hey, shit or get hey buddy, off the pot. it's been a while. Hey buddy, it's yeah. been a while. Like the leash has been long you know, it should have been long. It should be long for him. I think he's done a good job overall. I think there have been some unfortunate scenarios. They were so close, like so close, so close last year. You know, making it a couple rounds. They were never as close as they were recent in recent years than under Joe Girardi. Two thousand. You're right. That was that was the year. The um, yeah. You're right. They were one win away from making the World Series in 2017. They got to. Within two wins of making the World Series in 2019, but last time I checked, I just said I was a math guy. Two is greater than one. Well, and in 2017 was also an uh, overperformance. So it was it, but it was. But it, whether it was an overperformance or not, it was still under Joe Girardi. Aaron Boone took that overperformance. That that's over. more my point. I, he I'm, was, I'm trying to credit Girardi with that one as well because I think well, one that was a crazy postseason. There were a lot of things that could have gone could have. Could have gone badly and changed the course of what that did, uh, of the way that it came. Like the fact that they got that far was uh impressive against a team, especially that after knew every Girardi pitch that was screwed coming. the pooch, yeah. and uh, you know, and and very well almost blew a series in Cleveland. There, there were a lot of things that could have gone wrong there, and we would be talking about Joe Girardi in his last year very differently. Um And you know, as we were talking about it then, the decision had already been made that there was no longer. Mm-hmm you know, that was not going to happen. The tenure was over. We were They were moving on. Even before the playoffs started, it was over yeah. in the summer. So, which, was, which is a crazy thing to say when your team is, you know, one game away from a World Series. That's why I think Brian Cashman was secretly, secretly rooting against the Yankees to go to the World Series, because I don't think he could have made that move if they go to the World Series. Yeah, and maybe that would have been the best thing for him, but that's not the case. It's not the way it played out. So, yeah, I do believe that he went to bat, Uh, Aaron Boone was certainly an outlier for a candidate no major league experience that's a ballsy thing to do some would say stupid some would say ballsy but Brian Cashman made that move that was a Brian Cashman move so if if this is not working out the talent was not the problem they had the talent I know injuries have, have played the uh into what's happened here but this is what this is what's uh you know putting me on just to say that Cashman and Boone are very tied Definitely. And speaking of injuries, Gio Rochella had surgery. He had a bone chip removed from his right elbow. This was not a surprise because he missed time this season with the bone chip in in his elbow. And it's a three-month timetable, which takes him right up to the start of spring training. And the obvious question is, why didn't the surgery happen in October? Hell, why didn't it happen in November? It happened in December. Yeah, I mean, so what they're saying is that there was no discomfort at the end of the season. They knew it was there, but there was no discomfort. So they didn't feel like it at that point needed to happen. And then I guess, you know, when he started working out or whatever, you know, started throwing again, started hitting, he started feeling something, you know, he, he, he feels it. There's, there's a little bit of either discomfort. I'm so or, sick of hearing he that. Just, Aren't you so sick feels of hearing it. that? And, and at that point, we are like, okay, we make a move. Here's where I am. This is a bone chip. This is a cleanup. This is like a little vacuum that goes in, pulls yeah. that thing out. We're done. Easy peasy. You know, I understand that there are risks with any type of um, procedure or, you know, anything. There's there's a risk, no doubt. But that being said, this is very, very standard, very, very routine in the way that they, um, you know, do off-season type of procedures like this. There's cleanups that happen all the time. Just get it done. Judge had a cleanup. Judge had a cleanup on his shoulder after two thousand seven. Everybody gets a cleanup after the season. Cleanups. Just clean it yeah. up.
2: And Why are we it, leaving the so, debris in it, it, there?
1: Is the debris going to be good later? If this if this news was announced on October 26th, you know, 10 days after the Yankees are bounced from the playoffs, no one gives a Nobody crap. It's like, okay, great. Yeah. It, when it's announced on December 2nd, everyone's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." What? It's unnecessary. Yeah, so that that's right. more, so there's, more there's mismanagement a, from the Yankees medical staff. Yeah, or it's mismanagement, mis- misdiagnosis or the plan that they have, you know, relies or just falls back on, you know, non not doing the procedure in this case. There's obviously some, some type of protocol where if there's not discomfort, if the player doesn't feel it, then they just, they leave it. But I think that's a, when you're looking at these, the way that these off seasons play out and you're calculating the risk versus the reward of doing the surgery or not doing the surgery, to me, it's overwhelmingly just clean it up. Well, I'm no fake doctor. That's you. But it makes sense that your bone chip's not going to bother you when you're just sitting on the couch. It's when you pick up a baseball again and start throwing, then your bone chip's going to bother you. So why why well, wouldn't no, the medical? Well, no, but that's not fair because the the bone chip clearly didn't cause discomfort at the end of the season either. So there was a, a point. It it may have, but, but that's that's what they're saying. My point is, that I think that's what they're saying is that at the end of the season, there was not discomfort. The player did not feel discomfort. I've read that, and. And now whether there's discomfort or they've just made the decision to move forward for whatever reason, they're doing it. So there was a point where they thought maybe it wasn't going to be a problem. The bone chip yeah, did not I go away. Categor- the bone chip did not go away. Didn't magically disappear. Do bone chips just disappear? No, they do not. They can calcify. I have a bone chip can, in my left elbow. I have I have a whole bunch of debris in my right in my right elbow. It's a disaster in there. It's like a <laughs> debris. It's debris. It's like a it's there's a bunch of like asteroids floating in orbit. It's, it's what awful. in your knees. No, in my right elbow, my right elbow is right
2: How? I need do Tommy
1: it? John surgery. It's just years of just, it, I think it all, to be honest, it all stems because you can't make the throw from third base. And no, I can anyway. make those throws. I can't throw. I, if I try to um, play racquetball or tennis or anything like that, torched, just done within like five minutes of playing. I can throw a ball from shortstop. No problem. It doesn't, if I let one go occasionally, or if I throw like, you know, so three quarters, it's more the whip of the elbow, because you said tennis or racquetball, that's more of like a forearm elbow motion than it's, a throwing motion is more shoulder rotation. No, it's more, it's more the three quarters. So if I'm if I'm going down, if there's torque on the elbow, because torque happens on the elbow when you start throwing from any other spot other than over the top, right? So over the top, mm. elbow below your shoulder, your elbow's protected. It doesn't get very much torque. That being said, when you start throwing three-quarters, when you start throwing you know any from any range that's not over the top you you can feel it i mean you can just feel it if you if you rotate your um your your elbow uh, your arm from your elbow joint you can feel it just sitting here so that's when it starts happening and i think it stemmed from me throwing sliders in 7th grade to be honest slide <laughs> that's why they don't let you do that in a little yeah. league no yeah i threw a complete game uh championship in 8th grade and that was the last time my arm ever you felt pulled, good. You pulled the Tanaka in the WBC? Yeah, that was the last time my arm ever felt good. You said eight innings? That's extra No, no, no eighth grade. Oh, eighth this grade. Is, yeah, they, they, I was just like, they they just let me go. I probably threw How 200 pitches? pitches. I don't know. You, you pulled it. <laughs> it was like Cone in the 95 ALDS. Yeah, it was probably not 200 pitches. pitches, but it was, um, you know, I was definitely throwing uh, <laughs> off speed. There are people that say that that doesn't affect it. I don't believe them. Yeah. When your arm's not fully developed as a, as a child, it's gotta, it's gotta affect. You. For sure. I was not, I, I definitely, uh, blossomed and bloomed later too. I was a so like to you, Urshela, you managed it for the last 30 years. Yeah. I, I could play baseball with it. I, I could only pitch like one or two innings when I would play in like the adult baseball leagues. I could only throw one or two and then I wouldn't be able to lift my arm for a week. Uh, but then, and I, I was able to get through racquetball and tennis for a while, but it's gotten to a point where I, I can't play anymore, which is a goddamn shame. So I need Tommy John surgery, and I'm going to get it. I might get Tommy I might John get it this offseason, to be honest. Tommy John surgery, I thought, is a ligament thing. It's not a cleanup debris thing. Oh, I think my ligament's torched. I think my ligament is— Are you actually going to get Tommy John surgery? Are you going to go to Dr. James Andrews? You know what, you should— I'm not should going to Dr. James For and, the good of this have I should have done it two months ago. This is a bad decision on my end. You should do this for the podcast so you can tell your experiences and then people can understand what it's like to go through Tommy John surgery. I think it might be my duty as the doctor on the show to do this, to be honest. You should operate on yourself. <laughs> the, I, I, wa- I, I very badly want to get Tommy John surgery. And and this I feel like I'm talking purpose? myself into it because I want to play, play racquetball and tennis again. I, I enjoy it. I feel like those are two sports that I could get old with. Those are I Those think are great. better sports. off Racquet learning how to play racquetball with your left arm. No, I wouldn't be very good. I, I, was, I was actually pretty good at racquetball. And then pull a Billy Wagner. I don't have the ability. My left arm is trash. I, I just I'm I'm not very coordinated with it. I will fully admit that. The so I'm gonna do I just talked myself into it. This is this is this is gonna happen. I'm going to the nice. doctor like, next week. <laughs> I I got my bone chip in my elbow by saving a kid's life. So I was skiing. And coming to the chairlift, and there's just this kid, like, I'm not going that fast, and I'm an experienced skier, so I'm, I'm not, like, worried excuse about me. being able to... Excuse me, excuse me. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> not to toot my own horn or anything, I'm not worried about needing to stop short or anything, but then all of a sudden this kid just comes barreling out of control, like, from my right coming across, and... If this kid doesn't stop or I don't do something, I'm going to run into him. And, and, and this kid has to weigh, like, 35 pounds max. So I'm just absolutely, absolutely going to kill this kid if I hit him. So I do, like, this somersault to try and, like, go over him because that's the only way. And I just land right on my elbow on some, on some hard snow slash ice. I knew immediately. It just felt terrible. And I can, feel, I can feel it. It's a little bone chip. Yeah. And every now and again, I'll do something. I'll, li- I'll lift something up or I'll move it a certain way. And it just freaking hurt. So I know what Shell is going through. I need some cleanup. I, I think I legitimately have a torn. To I think doctor. I have a torn ligament in here. That's just uh, healed by itself, and it's just not the right way. And there's scar tissue, and there's just a bunch of trash in there as well. Um, do you know Camp Call? Camp Call? Camp Call. The the mountain in in Mawa. It's like you know five minutes from where you're living right now. There's a there's a nope, there's a mountain. It's, a, it. it's not a. It's a mountain. It's it's a. It's a downhill slope. It's a small place to go skiing. Oh, it's skiing. Yeah. Anyway, my uh, my cousins would they they ran camp Golf for a long time and they they ran the uh the ski team and a bunch of stuff there. Anyway, we will go to Camp Call. I am not a skier. I've they've tried to get me to ski occasionally. Uh, like 6 se- or six or 7 years ago I went with my brother and I was the guy that was barreling ass down the hill. It Camp Call gets iced over very frequently. And it's just a, it was just a freaking Ice ramp, just just in a, a, a medium-sized hill, yeah. with, with pure ice, solid ice. I could not stop. I had no control of what I was doing. I just went, and my brother was laughing his ass off at me. And I had to go into a full slide. I was like, I don't know how to stop. I don't, I'm going to kill people. <laughs> so I just, I just slid into second base. You know, like that was the <laughs> way I, I knew how to stop. So I, like, this is what's going down. I hockey stopped until uh, I was down on my boat. Bell, uh, stomach. For or. Face. No, no, what a hockey stop. So you know, you hockey stop with blades on, and I just oh, right, I essentially right, right. did that, you know, and just you just went, and I just went, and I just laid down to stop. Yeah, you. But so, I almost killed skiing, like nine you, people, including children. you could do the power slide, which is basically an extended hockey turn when it's icy. You just power slide through. the ice. That's what I tried to do, uh, but I was vertical, or I was I was horizontal, very fast. <laughs> Have you heard of the HBO documentary Class Action Park? Yes, I've watched it. Oh, uh, do you, I I haven't seen it yet. Did you ever go to that water I park did, as a kid? I did. <laughs> you I did. I knew you I, would I, have. I knew you would I have. I snuck out to I, did, I don't think I ever told my parents I was going there, but I went, I've been there f- a couple times. Did you go on the loop-de-loop slide? I don't think I ever went on that thing. That thing, I forgot about that, and when I watched it, I was like, "My god, that's a death trap." Everything there was this is a, they got they got stoners in from high school building. Everything slides. there was a death trap. I do remember going on um, the alpine slide, which was the concrete slide that goes down and you're on like a little sled essentially, but it's concrete Oh my God. and you have like an arm break. That shit, yeah, that shit those was are, real. Those are efficient. That that thing was <laughs> no joke. Every corner, you felt like you were going to fly off. Did you have a helmet on or anything? I don't remember. Probably not, but I don't remember. I do remember thinking I was going to die on that thing for sure. <laughs> and probably one of the most um, fearful, pure pressure moments of my life was on the Tarzan swing. That's real too. I don't know if you watched it, but I haven't seen the documentary yet. You go they have this Tarzan swing over, I don't even remember 20 feet, 15 feet up. It's pretty high up. And you jump on the you go on the Tarzan swing, and in the line is just like going along the um the the water area so you can watch the people going. And it's just people basically like screaming like yelling at you to go calling you a name like calling you a pussy and like all these things and like (laughs) you're just getting heckled the entire time to a point where it's like like you just you just you have to go to get away from it and you're watching people go on there think they have upper body strength and just fall just like they try to go on and just hit the ground and it's like oh my god like there are people going down left like one after another just soldiers falling and body slams like full uh uh you know, frontals like into the into the water from fifteen <laughs> to frontal. twenty feet up. It's amazing what peer pressure will get. Yeah, you. and I'm just like, I gotta go. I'm just like, I just want to go. You know, I'm like sixteen years old. It's like I just need to get out of here, uh, and and just go on this thing and try not hum- try not to humiliate myself. Uh, so I remember that uh, very vividly, and I I succeeded. Was this, so hold on, there was no there was no padding or anything underneath where the people would fall. No, there was water. Oh, okay. I thought you meant there was like a space between where you start the Tarzan swing and you reach the water, but it's all water. There's water. Yeah. And you have to reach out to get it. People would not make it sometimes and just fall flat on their face. And it's a long drop. It was a long drop. I don't remember exactly the height. And the water was freezing, like insanely cold. So it was not a good situation. Uh, It really wasn't. Not a good situation. So this would have been, this would have been like what year? Like mid nineties? Yeah. Like mid to late nineties. Mid to late nineties. I feel like that's the last era you could get away with having a park like this. Yeah, that 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 place was nuts. It was fun because it was like, you know, you're 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 like, okay, I might die. That's cool. Let's go. You know, you don't you don't have any fear for that. Cuz the actual thought of of dying is really not in your you're invincible at that point, right? So you don't think that's going to happen. But you know it's it, possible until you see someone die. There were on people I'm pretty loop sure loop loop that was the place down. where someone Uh, a girl got her, this may have been great adventure. I don't know. One of the, it was the, the, um, drop where you go up the free fall drop where someone's a girl's hair got caught. Oh yeah. I've heard. Yeah. 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 There's some, there's some effed up things. There's, there was, there was definitely something that happened to it. Like a jacuzzi. I don't know. The, um, do you see HBO is also going to do a CC documentary? I did see that. It's airing late December, December 22nd. It's 2019 behind the scenes footage. And CC narrates it, and I know CC does. He did something else with HBO, didn't he? I feel like he did something else with HBO. I don't. He's he's been. With, oh, uh, he's been on the LeBron James that LeBron James the James LeBron show, the, show. That's the what Barbershop it is. Yeah. or whatever it's called. Uh, I don't know. I'm obviously going to check this out. It. I don't. Are you surprised CC's getting this kind of attention post career? No, I think this was this when I saw him. This is his plan. All well, for all. sure. I think as soon as R two C two came out, that was the full tell that he's going to be doing something in the media, or at least making those uh, making those strides. So no, it's not surprising to me at all. And I think he's very like C.C. He's- CC Sabathia is the type of guy that that can that plays across a lot of different fan bases, and I, he doesn't have like the Yankee hatred attached to him from other fans. I don't think. I think CC is generally liked across baseball. Oh, certainly, and and I know it's going to talk about his battle with alcoholism and his decision to check himself into rehab in 2015, and I think that's really when, um, that was like the first, other than him being a dominant pitcher, like that moment kind of transcended him just as a Yankees pitcher, because people around the league obviously talked about that, and when a guy's battling with something like that and checks himself into rehab, takes himself out of a season, checks himself into rehab uh, is a very commendable move uh, to do that. And I know that's going to be in the documentary, I believe, but it's going to mainly be 2019 behind the scenes footage. I'm surprised. I wasn't very good in 2019. I'm right. surprised. I don't think that's going to. I don't think anybody's going to care. And maybe they use that as part of the story arc. But the. I'm surprised. and And I, and I guarantee the Yankees hate this. They hate this. Oh, so then, why the hell would they sign Trevor Bauer? Well, this is on HBO. Yeah, okay, valid point. But uh, <laughs> um, I was expecting that shot. But I guarantee they do hate it. Why would they hate this? This is uh, two years later, and it's on HBO. It's on HBO. Yeah, you could do a lot of things on HBO. But it's two years. Two There's years just, later. You know, the Yankees don't like anything being out that's not positive. In from inside their I think organization, it when it's when it's going to obviously be. Uh, and and this is different uh, from the Trevor Bauer what, curated. This is going to be curated, okay? Maybe this is nothing. Nothing's going to go on this documentary that's that's negative towards the Yankees. It's going to be fluff. It's going to oh, be him dapping up guys in the clubhouse. Oh, look how cool the Yankee Stadium clubhouse is. Oh, this is this is my guy. This is my trainer. This, there will be this things that the Yankees guys. do not like in that documentary. I guarantee it. There absolutely will so. be. There will be. I don't. I, I, what. Just, just little things that they are they don't want to be out there, and that's where Trevor Bauer is a little different in the sense that Trevor Bauer puts himself out there as a personality that's different. This is going behind the scenes and like and like doing some things that I don't know. There's there are people in the Yankees front office that I think get very uncomfortable when you start talking about behind the scenes. In this general, this is going to be behind the scenes, Cece, not behind the scenes Yankees. But there's going to be elements of that. Nah, I disagree. We'll find out. We'll find uh, out. December twenty we'll, we'll second. We'll we'll talk about it. Uh, we'll talk about it, obviously, but I don't think there's going to be anything in here that the Yankees dislike. Whereas I think Trevor Bauer, the guy, will be vlogging from the shitter. There'll be things on there that the Yankees do not. <laughs> do like. Do you think I see? I, I fully expect a Randy Levine comment around this HBO documentary. So what I'm expecting. Uh, does anyone listen to Randy? No, Levine no, talk they don't. Anymore? But I'm just saying I expect a comment. I expect I expect something, a, a line to be. We haven't heard from. We haven't heard from the Levine-ster in a while. No, he made comments about the uh, the money and the COVID and all that. He definitely was in the news. It goes in one ear and out the other. Yeah, he's, yeah, I, I can't stand that. He's in the news for sure. Freaky, freaky looking guy. <laughs> all right. Let's get to the 500th episode. We, again, will play this at the end. A couple of things I want to mention though. So I do say it in the episode. We recorded it on February 11th, 2015, but the episode came out in mid-March of 2015. I didn't have my microphone set up correctly, which I noticed immediately. And I remembered we figured out after we recorded this first episode, what I did was I had headphones plugged into my computer and my microphone plugged into my computer. But I obviously didn't change the settings because it was the first podcast I was ever doing and I was inexperienced and I was terrible. I was so terrible. I'm sure I I reminded you. I'm positive that I reminded you to make sure you change the settings. I know I, I said almost that to you. couldn't listen to myself. I was so bad. And who knows, maybe I'm just equally as bad now. And I don't know why the hell anyone's listening through 500 episodes, but man, was I bad in that. You were first you were just uh, like stage fright and very like, "Oh, well, Scott, how are how how are you today?" Let's get awful. to this now. It was awful. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, you were you're it was uh, it was an experience. The transitions were not they were not like I mean, we're smooth, professional now. We're we're we're, uh, it's more natural now, I think, because we've done five. I think it got more natural. It had to have gotten more natural within the first 10 episodes or else we never would have made it. Of course. No one could listen to that. If it was that bad for more than 10 episodes, who the hell would continue to listen to well, us? Well, that was the first episode and that was just an intro. We weren't even talking about the Yankees, really. It was just forced conversation to, as an intro. So it's a it's a little unfair to to judge what it was because the premise of the show from the very beginning, we, we set out a, you know, we had an idea for what we wanted to do. We wanted, we were essentially the, the, the premise of the show was two guys talking about the Yankees as we would with our, with our, with our boys in a bar. Like that was, that was the, the theme of how we talked about this. That was the, the build up for the show, not, not overly produced, very conversational. We weren't going to edit out things. We were going to edit for quality, but not for content. And that's what we did. We didn't take any of the ums out. We didn't do any of that shit. We were just like, this is going to be a conversation between two Yankee fans we're going to have a rundown. You know, we're going to speak uh, to as much as we as we know in a, in a way that's knowledgeable. We're going to do our research, but we're going to shoot from the hip uh, as well. There's flow and there's there's some structure to what we do, but it's very conversational and very much you know as we would talk to any Yankees fan. And I think that that has come across. If you look in the reviews, we're very fortunate for all all the people that have left reviews. Uh, we've gotten over the two thousand mark. If you have not left a review, please five hundredth episode. Great time to do it. If you have not, uh, if you're new to the show or if you haven't left a review for some reason, please leave a review in the uh, Apple App Store, uh, the podcast store. We'd appreciate it. But if you look through that, you could that sentiment is, I think, is shared. I think that came across. Yeah, you're right. Definitely. You're right. And it, and it, it had to take time. And I, we appreciate everyone who's maybe stuck through us in those first couple of episodes that were a little rough. And I think you're right because towards the end of the first episode, we talked about the Yankees and what our expectations were for the 2015 season. And it became more natural. Right. Well, th- that's the thing, man. When you start talking about the, you know, the topic of passion, because that's what it was. It was, it, it it is, this is a topic that we both know very well. It's, it's just ingrained in our brain, no matter what. And, and it's a, uh, when you start talking about something that you're passionate about, something you're knowledgeable about, it just conversations happen more frequently and more, more easily. And uh, there's a couple of funny things I noticed. So at the 11 minute mark, you've for the first time state your hatred of Alex Rodriguez. I'm glad we got that out of the way in the beginning and less than a and, minute and later to, to be fair hatred is a strong word you hated him at that time hatred just sh- because he didn't have the eroticence yet yeah he was a piece of shit 2015 was the eroticence. pre-2015 all we knew he got he got busted again for or- PEDs he storms in he storms into Mike Francesa's oh, what a joke studio he he like the the shining moment of pre I feel like that was the beginning of, the of Francesa too to be honest he, he lost a lot of. That was a bullshit interview. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good point. I don't really know Francesa enough to say when his decline really started, but I would say it's a run. Then when did he retire, Francesca? I don't think he's for the re- first time. <laughs> I don't know, two year a year and a half ago, two years ago. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought it was like more like 2017, but anyway. And then less than a minute after you state your hatred for a Rod is the first Rob Snyder reference. I profess my love t- for for Snyder because Stephen Drew was on the team. Which I'm sure if you listen to those first 30, 40 episodes, Scott finds a way to mention Rob Ref Snyder at least three times every episode. Yeah, until we got him on the on the horn and, and I had my one on one with Rob. Was that late twenty fifteen or sixteen? I don't remember. It was when it yeah. was. And it was um look, the whole the whole point of Ref Snyder at that at that time was, was Stephen Drew. <laughs> it was was that his name was not Stephen Drew. Steven Drew was complete trash. Absolute trash. He was a a Trojan horse for the Red Sox. He was a piece of shit. I hated him. And Rob Refsoner was the number one Yankee prospect at that time. Was, you know, <laughs> no, he wasn't the number one prospect. He was the number one prospect was, in all of our hearts and eyes and he was mashing. He was the only guy who was major league mashing. Red. Well, theoretically. Mashing Inch. in in AAA. Classic 4A player. Yeah, very classic 4A player. Unfortunately, And then at the 15-minute mark is the first time that I kind of shit on Brett Gardner. And I feel like that's been a tradition the last couple years. We're talking about how Brett Gardner was the face of the Yankees franchise back in 2015. And that was a big problem. We also say he couldn't steal a base. So some things never change. Got to get the oven met. No. Why can't? It's freaking fast. Steal a base, guy. Let's go. It's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing how how reserved he's been over his career with stealing bases with the speed that he has. It really is. I... I... The memories came back as I was listening to the episode of us recording it. It was again February 11th. We recorded, I think, two or three episodes that day. I can picture myself in my bedroom of my Boston apartment recording that episode. And I was 26 years old at the time. I don't know if you remember that day recording it. No, it was kind of, we, we had planned it. We had planned it like the couple months leading up to it. And yeah, I was nervous as hell. You could just hear it in my voice. I was nervous <laughs> as hell. You should have been like, dude, you you sound nervous. Like, go get a beer. We're going to restart Oh, now this. it's on me. Now now you're blaming me. So this is where we've gotten You were the guy who had 50 podcasts under his belt because you had already done a podcast. Maybe I was thinking yourself. that it wouldn't get better until we just got reps. You needed the reps. That's it. There's no other. There's no way to fake it. You just need reps. It, it, you it almost like swings. I'm sure we were talking. You needed natu- wet I'm swings is sure. what you needed. I'm sure as we were talking before it we were I was natural and fine so when I pressed record so you just should have told me you weren't recording cuz I think that's how we were doing it at first I don't think we were doing our local audio were we I don't know or no we must have cuz I don't even know what we were I doing. think we've been using a call recorder ever from from almost a jump I was just I was just I can't say it enough I was so bad and I apologize <laughs> for what you're about to hear But it really has come... It's been a long road since 2015. 500 episodes. Thank you so much to everyone who out there is listening. If you've listened to every episode, like, (laughs) standing ovation for you. Thank you. I know some people found us at different points. Some people have found us over the last couple years as we started doing more episodes. It would not be... We would not be sitting here recording our 500th episode if people weren't listening. I mean, that just goes without saying. Because if you're just putting it out into the ether and no one's listening, there's no way you reach 500. and so. the other thing is, is that we've, one thing that's been so really you, that's important I'm for us is that we've taken a lot of the the relationships that we've had online and, and now we've taken them offline. We've taken them to in real life when, with the, with the game experience. So a lot of the people that listen to the show, we've met, we've met a lot of, a mm-hmm. lot of fans at the games and, you know, become very friendly with them, um, uh, you know, Many many people. So it's been so cool in that sense because this is this has been a community from you know from really the beginning and it's you know we've taken it um, you know offline and there's been a tremendous amount of people who are you know involved with that now too. So it's uh, it's been really cool. It's just been a lot of fun and I really 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 hope that we can get back to these uh, in in real life things and actually watch a game because that to me talking every week uh, Yankees baseball with you is fun going to these games and hanging out with everybody is probably my, my favorite part of this whole thing. So um, yeah, I just, uh, we, we truly do appreciate it. And dude, like the, the people that have been through us with, with, or through this whole thing with us have been through like the life experiences too, which is crazy. All of these things, you know, um, I got married before this, but you've gotten married. I had a kid mm-hmm. gone through all of Kemp's medical uh, procedures, you know, Basically on air, he was being. Sunny <laughs> Gray is even attached to this. Attached to this, unfortunately, because he was pitching the first day. I remember the the night Kemp was born, um, and JJ came on, and we were supposed to record that day. JJ filled in for me. Yeah. I remember rigging the hospital um, com- uh, TV so that I could watch it because I was ex- very excited for Sunny Gray's first appearance. Uh, you know, and I'm I'm like Kemp, wait, don't come out yet. I want to watch the Sunny Gray. Like, ironically enough, it's stupid. Um, so So maybe, yeah. So maybe it definitely came full circle that we talked about Sunny Gray today. I, I'll never forget that text you sent me. I was on my way home from work. We were gonna be recording at like say 7 p.m. or something or six p.m. And then I just get a text from you, the kids coming today, can't record. <laughs> yeah, that was when we got put into like the triage area because it was unexpected. And I'm listening to I'm listening to what sounds like just like murder by knife with a, women coming in, having their baby oh like right God. there unexpectedly. And they're just like screaming. I'm like, Oh my God. And Bevan tearing this. <laughs> I I'm just like, want to oh watch Sonny God, <laughs> like what is happening? What is about to happen? Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. So yeah, a lot of people Amazing. have been, been through all these different things. Um, you got married and, and you got, you, another you life have experience. A, you have an announcement. So yeah, another life experience coming up. I'm having a kid now. He's, uh, Baby boy due in February. My wife is due, my wife, Leanne, and I are expecting a child in February. So I know it's been. I mean, she's thirty weeks pregnant at this point, so it's not like we're just telling people. But I have not told people on the internet yet. The interwebs, so yeah. Now it's out there. There, there it, will be the a I have not said it on the podcast. It, it feels weird announcing like a life event on on a, a podcast, but it is my podcast, our podcast. <laughs> so fine, whatever. But I just don't like. I, I don't know. I feel comfortable about announcing life events anyway. Yes, I'm having some. You are having Very excited. Yeah, yeah. Do you, so eventually, do you think he's going to, do you think that out of the womb he's going to be complaining about something? <laughs> or is there going to yeah, be a more definitely. positive approach here and, and we're going to get, because we've already put this. Depends. Is he more like his mother or that's his That's the question. We're, we put this in the, in the plans, right? Like Kemp, and your son are going to be taking over the show, hopefully, you know, at some point. we'll see what, when, that, when that happens. The way the kids are going with technology, it might happen in like two years. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, those are... Those are I, I think that there's going to be a, a long history of, of these guys talking Yankees baseball. Well, I think it will be... I think it would be nice... And they have no choice. The road, they will be doing this. They, obviously. <laughs> uh, but I think it would be nice down the road when Kemp and my son do take over the podcast, that the roles are reversed. And maybe Kemp's the more negative one and maybe my son's the more positive one. I gotta one, tell you, just to, just I find to it hard flip to believe Kemp walking out, walking into watching baseball with a negative perspective. I just, I don't see it happening. I I obviously wasn't negative when I started watching baseball. That's developed over the past 32 years. I don't know, man. You and your dad have a, have a very strong bond. And I feel like your dad was complaining about something very early in your life. When watching Yankees baseball, so well the first I would have to say that that I disagree with that, and and say that you probably learned from the master. So here's the thing: I think it it's part of what's the first. How are you introduced to baseball? I was introduced to baseball in the 1995 season, and we all remember how the 1995 season ended. Yes, I know 96, 98, 99. It couldn't have been any better than that. But what I remember first is that devastating ALDS loss. 95 was tough. Junior sliding. Sliding across the the plate, and my dad losing his mind. So that's what I remember <laughs> as the first baseball. Well, there moment. you go. You just answered your own question. <laughs> and and Had what I do you think? Kids, a year later, your kid's gonna be your kid's gonna be watching baseball for the first time, and I don't know what's gonna be happening, but something is gonna piss you off, and you're not gonna be able to uh, be quiet about it. You're gonna vocalize it clearly because as you get older, that just happens more often. You, the you know what I might the filter do? stops. I might just put on like a game from nineteen ninety eight and pretend like it's live, and that's the first thing that he says. No, you can't do so that. So he's just watching the greatest team ever. You won't be able to do that. That will not. That's not what you do. Um, you will be complain. Even th- they could be having, they could be up twenty games, first place, loaded, ready to go, and there will be a, on that day, a complaint about something. So, yeah, I don't. I don't know how. I don't enjoy podcasts or radio shows or anything. Of just talking about how great things are, who wants to listen to that? Who wants to listen to how great things are? Oh, the Yankees won again last night, Scott. Isn't it great that the Yankees are so good? I'm not. Nobody can see you right now. I'm not. I'm not complaining about complaining. I think it's part of it. So it's it's what we do. It's It's in the fiber of being a New York sports fan. It just is. In until the Yankees win a championship again. There's going to be something that they can be doing better, and even when they win, that and I will I will continue to point that out. I'm glad. Keep us. That is my duty. I'll, I'll I'll keep that us is, out of purgatory. I'll, I'll at least do my. That best. is my promise to the listeners. It w- it's been my, my what I've fulfilled for 500 episodes, and is what I will continue to fulfill for the next 500. If we do reach a thousand, you think we're going to reach a thousand? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Okay. Depends how many playoff so, games we got in front of us. That's true. And now that the playoffs are expanded, there's a, a lot, lot of playoff games, a lot of playoff games. All right. So we're going to be playing that episode to take you out again. I just want to reiterate, thank you guys so much for for listening. 500 episodes strong. Let's get another 500. Scott, anything else you want to say? Yeah, just a little teaser coming up too. Um, this is going to be an interesting, I'm, I'm really excited for this conversation. I'm actually having later. Oh, to- right. Forgot you were doing today. This. Yeah. I'm talking with uh, Tanner Swanson, who is um, in charge of the Yankees catching situation, so he's the he's the 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 guy who's leading the charge for for all of Yankees catchers. Uh, so we're gonna have a really good conversation. Obviously, he's the one who uh, is is a very big believer in the in the one knee down. I'm gonna talk to him all about that, get his perspective. I, I'm I'm very curious to hear you know how he started on this this method and it, you know how he teaches it, how transitions have happened. So um uh, I love the the mechanics and the nuts and bolts. Um, uh, talking about the you know the development of players and things like that, so I'm, I'm super excited for for this conversation. We'll release that. You're gonna you're gonna drill him? you're gonna drill him on the Gary Sanchez. I'm definitely stuff? gonna ask him. There's no doubt about it. I'm I'm gonna ask him about it because it's it's certainly top of mind. There's no doubt. So um, I wasn't shy about it too. I told him that I, that I wanted to talk about you know the situation there. So he's uh, he's awesome. excited yeah, to come on too. To so we're that. gonna have a good conversation. That will be out Thursday, Thursday morning. That'll be out. Yeah. What's so what today? Today's Wednesday. Out. Today's Wednesday. That'll be out Thursday. Yeah. yeah. So other than cool. that, again, thanks guys for everything. 500. Uh, we wouldn't be here without you. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, all of, the, uh, all of those things. If you haven't left us a review, do that. Go do that for us, please. Yeah. 500 episodes. I feel like uh, I, I, will, I will say that I feel like we've earned it at this point. With
0: your host, Andrew Rotondi, <laughs> and Scott We'll Miley. talk to you guys soon. Let's go.
1: What's up everyone? This is Andrew Rotandi. I've got Scott Reinen with me. How you doing, man? I'm good, Andrew. What's going on, man? I'm doing awesome. Uh, This is our new podcast we're doing for BronxPinstripes.com. We're really excited about launching this. Uh, This is our intro show. So in in this show, we're going to introduce ourselves, um, sort of who we are, how we got involved with the site. We're both huge Yankee fans, uh, as I'm sure everyone listening is. So, uh, just sort of talk about what, what we do, what we want to do with the show, and uh, take it from there. So, Scott, you started uh, the website bronxpinstripes.com about four years ago. Uh, you want to just talk a little bit about how you started that and uh, why you started that? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I'm fi- first of all, I'm glad we could finally do this. I know we've been talking about it for a while and getting the podcast off the, show- off the ground. So, uh, this is going to be fun talking Yankee baseball pretty much all year. As far as the, the website itself... I first started the site what would we say four years ago um when uh when it was actually n y y universe right and right, uh right. you were actually the, the the first person to come on and write so you were uh you were you know employee number two if it, if you will Nice. Um, so do I get anything for that do I get like you know Maybe. Yeah, I'll give you a high five next time we go to a game. No Maybe stock I'll, options or anything like that? I'll buy you a beer. I will buy you a beer at the next game. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. <laughs> to sell to celebrate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we started out as a NYY universe. Um, and then I got a very nice, polite um, letter from uh, Major League Baseball and the New York Yankees <laughs> yeah. saying that they didn't like our name and that it was a, a little too close to a couple of their um, their their trademarks. So uh, we, we changed it to Bronx Pinstripes. And uh, I think for the better, I mean, Bronx Pinstripes is a – just kind of fell in love with the with the name and, and the website has really progressed since. I mean, I started originally was for when I was away because um, I left the New York area to go to school and it was a way for me to really keep up with the team, um, not being around the local media and uh, just, just, you know, an- another opportunity for me to keep up with the team as much as possible. I mean, I'm absolutely obsessed with the Yankees. I love Yankee baseball. I grew up in uh, North Jersey and uh, Bergen County, about 20, 25 minutes from the stadium. So I used to go to games all the time when I was a kid. And yeah, just uh ever since ever since I was a child, man, I've been been completely uh, entrenched into uh, the Yankees. I think we share that. Um, I grew up in Rhode Island, uh, and actually right now, I live in Boston, and I know you know that, but uh, so you can imagine how difficult that is uh being such a diehard Yankee fan living in Boston with all those uh, mass hole Red Sox fans who um you know sort of give me shit all the time. You know, the, last year wasn't bad because they sucked, but the year before when they won that World Series uh, was just brutal. But I sort of uh, started, you know, after college, I was, uh, as I'm sure most people are, just bored at work. <laughs> wanted to uh, talk about baseball rather than Excel spreadsheets and stuff. So I started a, a Tumblr and a, and a Twitter account. I think it was like May or actually spring training 2011. And I saw your site and I saw you were looking for a writer. So I just shot you an email and it sort of just evolved from there. And uh, it's funny you mentioned the New York Yankees universe. You know, I forgot we were once called that. Um, <laughs> yep. And, Many uh, moons ago. Yeah. Uh, Many terrible graphics ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but I think, like you said, it's good. We're now BronxPinstripes.com. It sounds more uh, like a fan-driven thing, which we are, rather yeah. than a, an actual MLB-affiliated affiliate, uh, site but uh m l. b can be sticklers for their for their property huh yeah i mean absolutely they they uh they definitely protect it with everything and you know that's that's their right to do that so we we just try to um mind our p's and q's and uh and do everything the right way as much as we possibly can so yeah we definitely respect the fact that they have their trademarks and and that they own that so you know we move forward as best we can. I think we've uh Bronx Pinstripes evolved from that and I think it's actually uh yeah like you said man it's a really good thing I think the name suits us a lot better. Yes. And uh so again just what we're going to do here in this episode um get into what what we're going to do with the show. It's going to be a weekly show. Uh, different topics, uh, each week, talk about what happened, you know, how the Yankees did over that last week, break down some prospects, break down, you know, some managerial decisions. I'm sure Girardi will do some stupid shit. We'll, we'll get on him for and, uh, you know, take it from there. So another thing we're going to do is we're going to have guests come on. You know, we have a bunch of writers on the site. It's not just the two of us. Um, and we all have different personalities. Uh, so we want to get those guys on, talk about their opinions about the team and about baseball, and, uh, you know, everyone does something different. You know, uh, you know, one of our guys, Rich, on the site, he's a huge A-Rod fan, so I'm sure I'm sure that'll be fun when we have him on. Uh, Ryan's uh, really big into fantasy baseball, and he watches every game. I think he watches every Major League game, if that's possible. So uh, he's unreal. Uh, Brian, he-, he likes to talk about some of the historic stuff um, as well as the current stuff. So it should be a really fun show we got going on here. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm really excited to bring a lot of those guys on too. And like you said, everybody brings their own little element to to the Yankees and to to the fandom, if you will, and uh, and to the show for sure. Um, we have some guys. Not only are people from the site that we're going to bring on, but we're definitely going to be you know looking to bring on other people to talk Yankees baseball. Guys who are uh, very much in tune with the minor league systems. Um, I know Dan Pfeiffer, one of our guys, does some stuff with Trenton, and uh, we're going to have him on to talk about a lot of our prospects. Um, and then, you know, maybe we'll get crazy and invite some other uh, opposing fan um, fan sites on, too, to uh, get a little bit of a uh, little bit of, uh, you know, back and forth.
2: That yeah, be that,
1: that'd be awesome. I don't know how that would go, but that'd be awesome. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> maybe I can get some of my buddies up here in Boston to come on. They're huge Red Sox fans. Yeah, I'll, I would love to talk to them. I have a lot of things to say to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, another thing I want to do, sort of get to know us, is uh, talk about what our our walk up music would be for baseball. Whether you know walk up to the, to the plate or enter, you know from the from the bullpen like Mariano or something like that. And we're going to do this with all the guys that come on the show. Um, you know, just get you know into their brain a little bit about what type of person they are, what type of music they like. So Scott, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, what would your walk up music be? Like I've never thought about my walk up music, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'd probably do one of two things, and and maybe mix it in, you know, throughout the season. If if I were, if I were the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees, uh, but well, I well, am. They need a, a starting shortstop. So. That's true. That's true. I can field the ball. I don't know about hitting. Maybe I could. I could. Uh, I could reach the Mendoza line, but highly doubt it. Um, the two things they would be. I, I have two. I have two that I, I, I can't decide. One. I am a Jersey boy, true and true all the way through, uh, my core. And I love Bruce Springsteen as stereotypical that, as that is, it is true. And I love it. So, uh, 10th Avenue freeze out would be one of them for sure. Uh, yeah. one of my favorite Springsteen songs. And then uh, another one, if I went into like the hip hop realm, um, probably something like Lupe Fiasco, uh, daydreaming and, uh, just got like that cool vibe to it and, and walking up as the, as the beat drops. Maybe you could switch it up depending on like if there's runners on bass or something like that yeah there you go yeah depending on what the mood is in the stadium right yeah exactly. <laughs> what is it about baseball fans in Springsteen? I, like every baseball fan just friggin loves Springsteen. I don't know he's American right He's like American rock and roll and <clears throat> baseball is American. Maybe it's just every Yankees fan loves Springsteen because they're from you know New York, New Jersey area. Yeah, well, you probably know a lot of those, a lot of the Yankee fans, too. So you're, you're probably um, coming into more contact with those guys. So that very well could be. But to, t- to tell you the truth, I don't know anybody who doesn't like Springsteen. And I'll judge the living crap out of them if they do not like Springsteen. <laughs> They're so. not allowed on this yeah. on the show. You don't, don't, like, don't like baseball? Like you don't like Springsteen? You're not an American. <laughs> um, so uh, nice, uh, great choices. Um, it'd be interesting to see what some of our other guys uh, select here. should be fun. Uh, mine would be dear Mr. Fantasy by traffic. I just think it's a badass song. You know, you're walking up there, it starts out slow. Um, you know, just get pumped up as we're going up to, uh, up to bat there. So that would be mine. Um, and that's, and that's a great song. I, I actually have a very, it's kind of a funny connection and I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but so my wife and I, we met playing like rec sports, right. And kickball was one of them. And uh, we got way too competitive on a kickball team one year, and we, you know, started traveling, going to tournaments and things. And that was that was like the song that we would listen to, Dear of Fantasy," on the you know, like the last one approaching the uh, the fields. So yeah, yeah because that's it gets a, that's you fired song. up, it gets you ready for battle, man. It really does. It's a it's a it's a definitely a badass song. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's jump into uh, you know the last couple of years for the team, man. Eighty four and eighty five wins, not good. Not good at all. Missed the playoffs, finished second last year, and I think they finished like third or fourth the year before. I can't even remember at this point. But just, you know, subpar performances really across the board. And I think that it sort of got lost in the fact with Mariano and Jeter retiring, you know, the mood was still happy despite the fact that the team wasn't very good. And I just feel like with these last two years, you know, the season ended and no one was upset that they missed the playoffs. And I'm like, what you know, they're spending two hundred million dollars. How are these teams missing the playoffs? Why are people more pissed? No, I, I I kind of agree. You know, I think it's definitely overshadowed the fact that we've had subpar years. And I mean, not to get lost in this, we've been spoiled, right? In the eighty four and eighty-five win seasons, um, some teams might be happy with, but not the New York Yankees, not New York Yankee fans for sure. And and you're right, it has been overshadowed with with Mariano's Exit and and then Jeter last year. I mean that's that was the big focus, you know, it was was ending their careers and making sure they went off. Unfortunately, it wasn't with, with playoffs, but um, you know the way it worked out, right? It, it actually worked out okay as far as like their their last games and such. But yeah, but yeah, I man. feel like if you talk to a Yankee fan and you ask him about how last season ended with Jeter or just with the team in general, I don't think they'd be upset. I mean that last game at Yankee Stadium, that was. As fired up for a game, I can remember being, and that game didn't mean anything. Yeah, you're right. It's definitely overshadowed. It's definitely overshadowed, but no longer, right? We have uh, we have turned turned a new leaf. We're on a, we're in a different era right now. I mean, pretty much everybody that I grew up with is gone now. Jeter was the last guy, so now we uh, we're on to to the new Yankees. What are you talking about? Aaron's still there. Who? A- yeah. yeah, yeah. We talked about Rich, right? Be a big fan. We're gonna yeah. We'll talk about that later. Rich and I will go at it. I, I am not a, uh, a very big Alex Rodriguez supporter, so, well, more, so more on that later for sure. <laughs> so we're recording this. What, was uh, February 11th, and I think A-Rod just apologized to Cashman and the team. Um, we're we're going to have an A-Rod show coming up you know, for you guys uh, in one of these next few shows. Um, and like Scott said, we're going to have uh, Rich Kaufman on. Uh, he's a huge A-Rod supporter. Scott, you are not so much an A-Rod supporter. And I'm sort of, I fall in the middle somewhere, so that show should be pretty fun. But, you know, what's your expectations for this year going forward? You know, I don't know if I have, you know, legitimate expectations as far as, you know, a number of wins. Uh, what I what I would like to see is I would like to see the infusion of more youth for sure. Um, I, I want to see, I really want to see Ref Snyder up on the team. I want to see what he can yeah. do. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, the the possibilities at short. Um <coughs> So, yeah, I, I want to see more of that youth movement. I'm excited. I'm excited for that. Hopefully we can get some of those veterans back and healthy. But, you know, every, like every year with these guys, with these older with these older guys, the health is going to be the biggest thing for them. Because if they're on the field and they're healthy, they, you know, they can produce. But, I mean, even Beltran last year was on the field, but he wasn't healthy. So he wasn't producing. So, you know, I'm interested to see how that plays out. And, uh, and hopefully, um, you know, we can stay relatively healthy. It's just crazy with this team. I think about it, and I'm like, they could be anywhere from a 75 win team to a 90 win team or a 94 win team. It's just the range of possibilities is so great that it, you know I can't remember a Yankees team like that in a while. I mean, they've got all this talent. They've got all this, all these big name guys. You know, Sabathia is coming back, hopefully healthy. Tashera, hopefully, is healthy. I'm not counting on a Rod at all. But mm-hmm. um, you know McCann didn't have a good year last year. He came on in the second half. The first year, the first half of the season was, you know, highly disappointing. But he started to show a little bit more in the second half. So hopefully that continues. It's just one of those things, though. Like you could see if everything clicks, they will be a good team. And and they pitched well last year, and that was without Tanaka for a chunk of the season. And they still pitched well enough to win. They just couldn't hit. And you know, I, you know, what's the cliche? Like you know, th- these guys will. Will produce to their back of their baseball card. Well, they didn't. Right. right. <laughs> and um I don't know if they will this year. You know, you can't I you know, logic says, you know, they're not all gonna have bad years again, but you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, well, we look at logic and we also see that they're another year older and they're on the the the, the bad half of thirty five, right? So the, the crazy thing about last year is that if you look at all the injuries and you actually look at the team at the end of the year, like what happened, you would think that the pitching would have been the issue, right? Because of all the pitching injuries that we had. And, you know, it just wasn't the case because the guys who came in and, and filled in for for the injured players like CeCe and, and Tanaka and Pineda on different occasions, you know, those guys stepped up. They, they stepped up and they, and they pitched well. Just couldn't get the bats off the shoulders. They just did not hit. Yeah, it was extremely frustrating because, um, it was sort of like a, a cruel twist of fate, right? Like, I feel like in the mid 2000s, it was, they can't find pitching. They'll score 850 runs a year, but they can't, they can't hold teams to under five runs a game. And now this last year, and I think the last couple of years, it's been the opposite. And, you know, it doesn't seem like that long ago, they were just in the ALCS. Um, you know, they got swept by the Tigers and was that 2012? But, you know, that wasn't that long ago that they were, in the final four. So I don't know. I just think my expectations for this year are they're going to contend for a playoff spot. You know, that might be the second wild card spot. That might be, you know, the division championship. I don't, I don't really know at this point, um, but I expect them to contend for a playoff spot and uh, you know, we'll see where they are in September. But you know, with, with all those, all those guys that we grew up with, you know, I'm 26 years old. Jeter and Mariano and those guys, that was all I knew for the Yankees. And now those guys are gone. Um, obviously I'm still a huge baseball fan and I'm still going to watch every game and, and, you know, follow the team, but it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, who the next guy is. Um, it was funny, you know, I follow the Yankees on, you know, on Instagram and they were pushing Brett Gardner as the right. face of MLB. I love Brett Gardner. You know, he's a scrappy guy, came through the farm system, and I think he's actually underrated um and not making, you know, twenty-five million dollars a year, which is unusual for their team. But um I think he's an underrated player. But if, if he's the face of your organization, you're in trouble. Yeah, and I, I think that was more of them just trying to push someone else because he's obviously not the face of the organization. I mean he is he is one of the you know, one of the last homegrown guys, I guess, who's coming up and and who's, who's doing good things. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's not, he's not the face of an org. I mean, two years ago, they were talking about him as trade bait because of, you know, when, uh, when Jacoby was in. So I don't know about that, but, uh, I do love Brett as a player. I love, uh, I love the hustle. I love the, uh, I love how hard he plays too. So hopefully he can just, um, improve that base stealing method <laughs> for someone so fast. He can't fricking steal a base. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't know what it is. Hopefully this year there's a little bit of a, a corner turn for him. All right. So, uh, you know, that's a little bit about what we're expecting for this year. As I mentioned, this is going to be a weekly show. We're going to release it every Monday morning. Uh, So look out for that. And um, we got three shows, uh, three other shows, you know, ready to go for you guys right now Uh, one recapping the Yankees offseason, one uh, that's sort of a prospects preview, and then uh, that much awaited for a rod dual show. I got to like. I don't know. Maybe I'll think of a prize for that, for the winner. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm excited for that one, and uh, I want to see what Rich has because I'm full, fully loaded with ammunition. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Just, like, read that apology, like, uh, press release and just try not to get angry. I dare you. Yeah. No, I know, man. It's – how many times does he have to apologize? But yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll get into that for sure. I, I feel like A-Rod apologizing is like if you apologize like to your girlfriend or wife for like getting too wasted the night before. like You're just apologizing so you're not in trouble anymore. You don't actually mean it. Yeah, like, it's a child. It's a child yeah. apologizing is what it is. It's a child apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't have surprised me if he got caught again, to tell you the truth. Well, I mean, at this point, go for it. Like, he's not going to produce otherwise. But uh, we'll get into that in the A Rod show. That's enough about A Rod. My blood's boiling already talking about him. (laughs) But, uh, you know, thank you for everyone who listened to this first show. And I hope you guys continue to listen and tell everybody you know about the show. (laughs) Uh, Try and get it out there. We appreciate you guys listening. And uh, talk to you soon. Thanks